0: You all may be seated. Amen. Well, good morning again. Uh, it's glad to, good to see all of you guys, and uh, we're glad that you're here. And uh, thank you, worship team, for some uh, amazing worship again. So, we are uh, starting a new series this week. Uh, we ended last week our series that we've been doing for a few weeks uh, called Unlearn. Uh, we're learning to uh, get rid of the fear in our lives and replace it with the truth of God's word. And this week, we're starting a new series. It's going to take us all the way to Easter. Uh, we're going to talk about the words from the cross. And uh, So if you've got your Bibles this morning, what I want you to do is turn to Luke chapter 23. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles with you, it will be up on the screen, or you can follow along in the app. And if you ever need a Bible... Uh, We've got Bibles in the back, they're free. Feel free to take one if you ever need one, want to take it home with you, whatever. But I know many of you in this room this morning are very familiar with the story of the crucifixion of Jesus, right? And if you're not, uh, certainly as we go through this series, and as we get closer to Easter, uh, you're going to hear about it. But God's very own son, Jesus, uh, was literally nailed to a cross, and he was hung before a huge crowd of of onlookers, and uh, I want you to capture this picture That as Jesus was hanging there on the cross, these onlookers were not a huge group of of followers. These guys weren't a huge group of of friends or family. Most of those folks have uh, dispersed out of fear. Uh, They're basically hiding. And so these onlookers that were looking at Jesus, the Son of God, as he was hanging on the cross, were mockers. In fact, the book of Matthew tells us that there were many there who were around Jesus that just shouted insults at him. Right? There were others, the Bible says, that just wagged their heads or they, they shook their heads in disgust. Many of them just folded their arms as they're there looking at Jesus, throwing out words like, you, know, you said you were going to destroy this temple and, and rebuild it in three days. If you're the son of God, then you know, save yourself. Come down from the cross. Others, the leading priests and teachers of religious law, the elders of the day, just stood there mocking Jesus. They said, you know, you've saved others and you cannot even save yourself. I mean, here's the king of Israel, really? This guy is the king of Israel? If he really is the king of Israel, then let him come down from this cross right now and then we will believe in him. Right? If he comes down, then we'll we'll believe it, that he is the son of God. I mean, he's trusted God. Now God let God rescue him if that's what God wants to do for him. You know, things like this is the guy who said he's the son of God. Now I want you for just a moment just to picture these onlookers. I mean these people were spitting on him. They're hurling insults at him. They're folding their arms in disgust. The Bible also tells us that when Jesus was hung on the cross there, he was not alone. There were two other men with Jesus, one on one side and one on the other. They were two thieves. Matthew tells us that they mocked Jesus as well. And as they hung on the cross with Jesus, they heard Jesus pray for the forgiveness of those who were responsible for his beating. He was praying for the forgiveness of those who were responsible for this crucifixion moment and who ultimately were gonna be responsible for his death. Jesus' very first words on the cross were, Father, forgive these folks. They really don't know what they're doing here. both of these men, as they looked at Jesus... They could see this plate that would have been nailed on top of the cross, right above him, right where Jesus was being hung. And on that, Pilate had put, you know, this is the king of the Jews. And in Luke chapter 23, we find this incredible story of how each of these men, these thieves, interacted with Jesus as they hung there next to him on these crosses, dying along with him. And in verse 39 of Luke chapter 23, it says that one of the criminals that was hanging with Jesus Heaped abuse on him saying, Are you not the Christ? He said. Save yourself and us. But the other one rebuked him saying, Do you not even fear God since you are under the same judgment? We are punished justly for we are receiving what we deserve for our actions. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So as these guys hung next to Jesus, both close to death. One of them continued to mock him. One of them continued to hurl insults at Jesus with this very sarcastic tone. Aren't you the, aren't you the Christ? Aren't you the, the son of God? Aren't you supposed to be the king? If so, then get yourself down from this cross, and while you're saving yourself, save us as well. I mean, here's this guy that lived this violent, sinful life. I mean, there's no brokenness in his voice, no sorrow from his crimes. This is a guy who was going into eternity the very same way that he lived, full of pride, rejecting the only one who could truly save him, the one who was hanging next to him at that very moment. But while this thief was challenging Jesus, while he was rejecting him, something changed In the heart of the other thief. And while they were hanging on the cross, he says to his friend, the other thief, he he looks over to the other guy and he says, are you kidding me? Do you not have any fear of God? We are getting what we deserve, but this man in the middle, he has done nothing wrong. He doesn't deserve to die. And so here's this guy here, right? He understands he's guilty. He understands that he has a sentence on him that he deserved Yet he's now remorseful for his sins. He's sorrowful for the way that he has lived his life. This is a guy who realizes that he is going to stand before God and give an account for how he has lived his life. He realizes at this moment that forgiveness is hanging on the cross next to him. He understands for the very first time that he can't afford to die without it. You can tell from his words as he hangs on the cross, dying next to Jesus, that he is overwhelmed by his thoughts. And so finally he looks at Jesus and he says to Jesus, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And with that, I want you to understand that that this man repented of his sin, placed his trust in the only one who could save him from his sin and he received eternal life. Now I wanna look for just a moment, if I could, at the kind of faith That this man, this thief, was displaying as he was hanging on that cross next to Jesus. Because I want you to know, it is so relevant to every single one of us in this room. See, this thief displayed a saving faith. Saving faith goes beyond reason. Saving faith goes beyond logic. I want you to think about this for a moment. This is a dying man asking another dying man to rescue him. To remember him. I mean, from anyone's point of view, and certainly from those that were actually physically there watching this whole scenario, right, hearing what was being said, Jesus appeared to be a very hopeless man who was unable not only to save himself, but to rescue anyone else. And yet this thief believed that Jesus could save him. This thief could see the sign that was, was hanging above Jesus' head this, that this says, this is the king of the Jews. And so he says to Jesus, he says, remember me when you get into your kingdom. In other words, Jesus, he says, I recognize you, Jesus, at, at this moment, as a king. And so here's this guy that is stolen from people. It's quite possible that he's even murdered murdered people to get what he wanted. One of the you know, only the worst criminals were crucified. Crucifixion was reserved for the worst of the worst, and yet here is this guy who has the audacity to ask the man in the middle because he believes he is the Son of God to save him and to remember him when he comes into his future kingdom. And so this guy throws reason out the window. Look, logic no longer matters because by faith at this very moment, this thief recognizes that Jesus is the son of God and he confesses Jesus to be his savior and he asks Jesus to do something for him that he knows ultimately he could never do on his own and that's to save him. And it's the same faith. It's the same faith that every one of us in this room needs to be willing to approach Jesus with for our very own salvation. However, I want you to see something else as well, and that is that this thief also displayed a courageous faith. Right, This is a guy who's being hung on a cross. He's dying in front of a crowd of people, and he's publicly confessing Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Everyone else around at this moment is mocking Jesus. They're denying Jesus Including his friend, the other thief, right? And he's hanging in front of a crowd and he's recognizing Jesus as the son of God. And he's asking Jesus for salvation. I mean, this guy shows amazing courage. He doesn't care what anyone else is thinking about him at this moment. Right, everyone else, they they can hear this conversation. But he realizes at this very moment, this moment that is in front of him, that death is at his doorstep. That eternity is in the balance. And so he asked Jesus to save him. And I love Jesus' response to this courageous act of faith. Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. From the cross, hours before he breathed his last breath, Jesus gave this man the most amazing, undeserved gift that anyone could ever receive, and that's salvation. And so for the rest of this morning, I want to talk about what this means I want to unpack what Jesus just offered this man. I want to to give you this morning the truth about salvation. And first of all, we need to understand this, that salvation is a free gift from God. See, these words, this story, is just a reminder that there is nothing that we can do, absolutely nothing, nothing that we can do to earn salvation from God. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In other words, look, salvation is a free gift. Forgiveness is a free gift. It is a free gift that God gives us when we place our faith and our trust alone in Jesus Christ as the one who came into this world to die on our behalf for our sins and to offer us salvation and eternal life. The, the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians 2 reminds us that this is something that we cannot earn by being good. Right? We cannot earn this by being good people. We cannot earn this by doing good things. We cannot earn this by following enough rules. I run into people all the time, and I'm sure you do too, that they've just gotten their mind that if I'm a good person, If I just do enough good things, then somehow or another it will be enough. Listen, it will never be enough, ever. It's all about what Jesus has done. I don't care how many rules you follow. Without salvation, you end up in the same place as this thief over here who rejected Jesus. Nothing outside of Jesus will work. Instead, the only way that we can truly be forgiven of sin, the only way that we can truly receive eternal life in heaven is by receiving freely by grace through trusting in Jesus Christ alone to be our Savior. You see, that's what sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. The Bible teaches that we had no way or no one to get to where God was. And so God sent his very own son to make a way. And we receive salvation by believing that, by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. And this is what the thief did at the very last moments of his life. I mean, think about this guy for just a moment. Right, he wasted his life. He has lived for his own pleasure. He's pursued his own pursuits. It's been all about him we actually don't, you know, we don't meet this guy until this moment in Scripture. We don't know where this guy came from. We really have no idea of, of the extent of his crimes. We don't know what kind of family he grew up in, what town he was from. We know none of that. And so we also know that he's not going to be able to do anything good with his life moving forward, right? I mean, this man is dying on a cross. He can't get down. He can't get down off that cross to make up for all the bad that he has done. And yet Jesus offers salvation to him anyways. Why? Because Jesus offers salvation to all who believe. See, this thief at this very moment simply had faith that Jesus was the Son of God who came into the world to save people from their sins and offer eternal life. And because of that faith in Jesus, Jesus gave him the free gift of salvation, no strings attached. And if you're here this morning, and you believe that for some reason or another you have to be good enough Or you have to be moral enough for God to give you salvation. Listen, it's time for you to stop believing that lie. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And you can look back at this point in your life where you've made that decision to repent of your sin and to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. But you're struggling with the mistakes of your past. You're still struggling with the idea that God truly loves you and accepts you fully in spite of all of the things that you have done. Here's what you need to rest in this morning. For those of you who know Christ, if there's nothing else you take home with you this morning, take this, is that you need to find rest in God's love for you. You need to find rest in God's acceptance for you and his forgiveness of your sin. Look, it's not dependent on on you. It's not dependent on anything you've done. It's all made possible because of what Jesus did for you. Your salvation is not based on, on, on you or what you have done. It's based on what Jesus has done on your behalf. And you need to embrace this morning the fact that there is nothing, there is absolutely nothing you can do to have God love you more or love you less than he does at this very moment. Look, reading your Bible more, praying more, going to church more, giving more, serving more, it's all great stuff, but it's not going to gain you more of God's acceptance for you. He already accepts you fully. It's not gonna get him to love you more. Look, you cannot be loved any more right now by God than you are at this very moment. And so it's time to let go of that self-imposed guilt. It's time to let go of the condemnation that you have put yourself under and it's time to rest in what Christ has done on your behalf if you're a child of God this morning. Second thing is that Jesus is willing and ready to save lost people. Right? Jesus is willing and ready to save lost people. See, on the day that Jesus died, you have to understand that I mean, he was beaten, he was, he was flogged, he was uh, whipped. I mean, flesh was just torn from his body. A crown of thorns went through his head, spikes were driven through his wrists and his feet. In fact, Isaiah chapter 52 verse 14 prophesied years and years before that by the time Jesus got to the cross, he was so disfigured that he did not even look human anymore. We can't even imagine the pain that Jesus endured even by the time he went to the cross. Even by that time, I mean, he was already close to death by that time before he even made it to the cross. I mean, Jesus at this moment had every reason as he hung there on the cross to be focused on himself, just trying to get through all the stuff he was going through. But that's not what he's doing here, right? We see Jesus focusing his attention on this one man. He's already looked out uh, at the crowd of mockers and said, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing right now. And now he looks at this one man, his attention is focused on this one man who is in desperately in need of salvation, desperately in need of hope, desperately in need of forgiveness. I mean, this is a guy who is desperately lost. And I love how this story shows that Jesus is always willing and ready to save lost people. Luke 9, 10 says that the whole reason Jesus came was to seek and to save the lost. So it doesn't matter for you what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what your, your present is currently looking like. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made or how badly you feel like you have messed up. It doesn't matter if anyone else around you is unwilling to forgive you or offer you hope or to give you a second chance because Jesus is always ready to forgive you. He's always ready to wash your sins away, to forgive you of your mistakes, to restore you and to heal you and to give you a second chance. He's not preoccupied. He's not too busy. There's nothing more important to him There's nothing that can stand in the way of Jesus extending to you at this very moment grace and forgiveness if you are willing to trust in him alone as the only one who could accomplish those things on your behalf. And listen, if Jesus can forgive a murderer at the very last moments of his life, he can save you this morning. Erwin Lutzer says, the thief's forgiveness reminds us that there's more grace in God's heart than sin in our past you said man that's really good can you say that again so i can write it down i sure will the thief's forgiveness reminds us that there's more grace in god's heart than sin in our past and for for those of you that already know jesus listen nothing should stand in the way of us taking the good news of jesus to all of those around us who need him Right? If Jesus was never too busy for lost people, even as he is suffering, even as he is dying on the cross, there is no reason for us to ever be too busy to take Jesus to lost people, to engage people. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter where they're from, where they live. It's our job as believers in Jesus Christ to take Jesus to people. The third thing, our eternity in heaven is secure in salvation. Go back to Luke chapter 22, verse 33 for just a moment. and Think about what Jesus says to this thief, right? He says, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, I know there are a lot of religions that teach that death leads us to a place called purgatory. Right? It's kind of like this, this holding pattern where a person can go and have to endure some kind of temporary punishment to be cleansed of sin. Or somebody's got to do some things or pay some things or do enough good works so they can actually go to heaven, There's others that believe that when we die, we fall into this state of sleep. And then we all of a sudden, we wake up at the second coming of Christ. I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't say to this man, one day, you're going to get to paradise. But first, you got to spend a little time, you know, paying some punishment in purgatory. He doesn't say that at the end. Instead, Jesus told him on this very day, you will be with me in paradise. And he doesn't say to him, listen, if you're going to, you're going to have to go into this deep state of sleep for, for some time, and then I'll see you in a few thousand years. That's not what Jesus said. He says, you're secure. He says, nothing more needs to be done. And I love this. He doesn't just say that today you will be in paradise. What he says is you will be with me in paradise. He says, you're going to be with me. And those two little words are so important, and here's why. Because the whole point of heaven is to be with Jesus, Right? The whole point of heaven is to be with Jesus. I mean, when I think of, of heaven, I love the whole idea of no sickness, no, no more dying, no more pain, no more cancer. I mean, the perks are amazing, right? You think about the, the mansions and the streets of gold and the, the lion getting along with the lambs and people actually liking each other. I mean, it's really an amazing thing. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus, right? I've been hearing about him all of my life. I've been singing about him all of my life from my earliest memories. I just want to look at his face and I want to thank him because he has done something for me that I could never do on my own. 2 Corinthians 5 8 says, We are confident then and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. See, salvation makes heaven secure. And because of that, I don't have to worry. I don't have to wonder. Because of salvation, I'm in. Because of salvation, if you put your faith and your trust in Christ alone, you're in. And Paul says we can be confident of it. He says we can be fully confident of it. And then you need to get this. Is that there's no other way to salvation apart from Jesus. John 14, Jesus said this. He says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one, he says, comes to the Father except through me. So you have to understand something. What I just read to you is very offensive to many many people around the world. In fact, there are people that are dying all over the world because of their faith in Jesus. Right? They'll talk about God. I mean, they'll talk about, yeah, we all worship this same God, but listen, Jesus is the separating point. There are people in Syria dying because of Jesus. There are people dying in Iran and Iraq and Pakistan and China and all over the world because they have professed Jesus Christ to be their savior. The fact is that Jesus said himself, I mean, there's no other way there is no other way, Jesus said, to get to the Father except through me. When the thief, when he's dying on the cross, Jesus doesn't look at him and say, hey, you know what, I'm gonna point you to Muhammad. Or you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna point you to Buddha. Or He doesn't say, jump down and earn it. He didn't have to. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And this man wasn't getting there except through him. And the same is true for us today. I want you to hear this. Just listen to me. Every one of us, in this room, including me, is we are no different than these two thieves. We're all sinners. We all deserve death. None of us in this room deserves forgiveness. None of us in this room deserves the hope of salvation, but it is offered. It is offered to everyone, and it is offered freely. Look, we can deny him. We can reject him like this one thief on, over here, Or we can accept him this morning for who he is, the Son of God. We can repent of our sin and be like the other thief, and we can place our faith alone in Jesus Christ to be our personal Savior. We can receive forgiveness, and we can walk out of this building this morning different than when we came in, totally secure that when we die, we will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. See, we like so many times to separate ourselves from stories in the Bible. We are these two thieves. And Jesus hangs in the balance, offering freely a gift that you could never earn. You will never earn this. No one in this room is good enough, not even on your best day. I don't care where you came from, I don't care what family you were born in, what part of the country you were born in, what what, what you think about good works, good morals, any of that, you need to understand this morning, it's all Jesus. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. This morning, I'm inspired by this courageous faith of this man, this thief on the cross. Publicly, in front of onlookers and mockers, in front of a very hostile crowd, publicly recognizing Jesus as the Son of God receiving forgiveness in front of the many that were in front of the cross that day. Realizing that the only hope, only forgiveness, only salvation could be found at that moment in the one who was dying next to him. Jesus offers that to you today. If you would like to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, to do something that you could never do on your own, which is to receive forgiveness of sin, to hope, uh, find hope in life, to find security in eternity, I want, you to, I want to ask you to stand to your feet right now. I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than that. But I want you to stand to your feet right now. If you need Jesus Christ, to be your personal savior. Look, you're lost without him. Stand to your feet. Be bold. Be courageous. Look, I want to just challenge you to stand this morning. You're not in a hostile crowd. There's no mockers or onlookers here getting ready to insult you in here. This is a family. You'll be embraced. Just stand to your feet if you want to put your faith and your trust in Jesus alone those of you that are standing I want to pray with you I want you to pray with me right now because I know that many of you you may not know what to say but God knows your heart and he knows the moment it happens so you just pray something and say God thank you for what you've done for me on the cross something God that I could never do on my own not even on my very best day And I come before you at this moment and I confess my sins to you. I repent of my sins. Jesus, thank you for coming to die on a cross, to going going through what you went through. Even as onlookers were, were mocking you and hurling insults at you and spitting at you, you still went to that cross for me. And then Jesus, after you died, three days later you rose from the grave conquering sin and conquering death. And at this very moment, Jesus, I place my faith and my trust in you alone to be my Lord and Savior. As we continue praying, I just ask you to continue to stand. And as we finish up today, just find a connection card if you're standing this morning just check off today I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior so we can come alongside of you we can walk you through the next steps of baptism discipleship and all of that good stuff that comes with being a disciple of Jesus for the rest of us in here God may we rest in the fact may we rest in what you've done for us on the cross God not living powerlessly anymore Father not living these anemic lives but because of what you did on the cross and because we've accepted you as our Lord and Savior, we've got this amazing power called the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And God, may we take what you have given to us today. Father, may we take what you've given us through salvation and go out and share it with everyone else in this community, Father. And don't just stop in this community, but God, through the state, the country, and to the rest of the world. Jesus, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. It's in your name that we pray, amen. We just give a hand to those folks that just stood. Now let's just congratulate them. And so amazing, God is doing amazing things here, and we're so thankful for that. It's the worship team.